Hey, so this is the first episode of On Brand, a podcast brought to you by Noir Agency. This is the first one that we've ever done where we're going to be interviewing different clients that we work with and talking about industry-related topics. So today I'm here with Niall, who is the head of marketing for Queen Elizabeth Grammar School, a client that we've been working with for quite a while. And today we're going to talk about how creativity is declining uh, in, ed- in the education system. So welcome, Niall. It's good to see you. Cheers. Thank you. It's good to be here, definitely. Yeah, so um, I read a study recently, um, I think it's like 14,000 fewer students mm. were uh, taking art and design subjects at mm. university, which obviously shows there's, there's a big problem right at the beginning. Uh, this isn't happening, you know, in secondary school. This mm-hmm. is obviously clearly primary school, then secondary school. And mm. I think creative subjects are being squeezed by the government. Um, obviously, you know, you're a private school. So how do things work here and how's that a bit different? Yeah, I think the good thing for me is, is I've worked in a state school and I've worked in an independent school. So I can see firsthand the complete differences um, in state schools. They're really kind of squeezed, like you say, massively squeezed. And everything's about maths, English, science. And it's kind of like if you don't fall into that mould, then, you know, you're kind of cast aside. Whereas here, the big thing is, and, you know, I can only speak about our school, but... The big thing is, is that everything's kind of tailored around each individual child. So, you know, especially like here on a Wednesday, we'll just cut out, um, the kids go off timetable and they can just pick something that they want to do as part of this enrichment program. So if you're into like fishing or you're into like, I don't know, the most wild things, there's over like 96 things for people to do. They can crack on and do that little thing. Uh, And I think that's why you see a lot of our boys kind of moving on to university and really taking on a broad range of kind of subjects. And then when you contrast that with state schools, a lot, of, a lot of boys and girls, I think, are being pushed down this little funnel. And then that's translating into like how many people then go into creative subjects at uni. You know, that figure doesn't surprise me at all, given the state of things. Mm. Um, but it's up to, I think, us as schools to kind of make that change internally and start building that out and breaking down that kind of those statistics. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, nowadays, if you look, people change their career maybe two mm. or three times. You know, obviously, you know, our parents and back in the day, you'd have one job and it was a job for life. Mm. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm. So to actually push someone to do something that they probably not going to be very good at and don't really, are not enthusiastic about, yeah. is the worst route to go down. And I think by squeezing creativity out of the education system... Luckily, obviously, in the private education, it's there. But, I mean, mm. it should be across everything. Should standard, we yeah. should be increasing it, not mm. decreasing 100%. it. 100%. Creativity is why we have innovation, mm-hmm. why we have beautiful art and design and music. Mm-hmm. And I think these are such a, a staple of, like, our society and our culture yeah. that makes it so rich. So it's really frustrating. What do you think the effect's going to have, like, further down the line? Though? I think the big thing for me is, and this is a slight tangent, but I think that half of the jobs that, like, young boys and girls are going to want to do in 10-15 years time haven't even been created yet and I think the fact that we're pushing people down this little funnel means that we there's going to be a whole bunch of kids uh, that get to a certain point like our sort of age and they haven't actually tapped into their full potential they've all they've got all these jobs out there that they're not going to actually be qualified to take on and I think that's a real shame we're not making that change now knowing that going forward there's going to be this wide plethora of jobs available Mm. for them and stuff that they're probably going to create so I think we're going to see this point in time where you're going to get these kind of underqualified or unskilled young people who they know how to count something on a calculator or they know how to do this really kind of prescriptive stuff, but they're not going to have any of these kind of softer skills. They're not going to have any of these things that, like you say, mean that they can transfer between jobs. You know, I've done, I don't know, six jobs since I left university 
and I'm a qualified journalist. I'm nowhere near <laughs> being a qualified journalist. Do you know what I mean? And, and my journey has taken me in all these different places, but um, I had those softer skills to be able to do that. You know, what's going to happen to those kids in 10, 15 years' time that, doesn't have, that don't have any of these skills ready to kind of move into that space? So, yeah, I can see a, a, a whole kind of generation of unskilled young people, and that's scary to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we need, we need doctors and, and we need engineers and we need mathematicians, but I think we also we need creatives too, don't 100%. we? And we need to blend the two together. Definitely. Maybe it shouldn't be just, you, can, you, know, you have to be this kind of learner mm. and you have to be that kind of learner. Mm. One of the biggest problems I had at school is um, they didn't find out I was dyslexic until I was 19, so I was at college, which is pretty, pretty crazy when mm. I look back on it now. And, and I was on this report card for four years mm. and every lesson I would have to go to the teacher and they would give me a grade. And that grade wouldn't be determined on how creative I was in the classroom mm. or what ideas I came up with. Mm. It was always determined on how much attention I paid and, and how much information I retained. And obviously, a big part of my dyslexia, what I found out, was comprehension. Mm. So they, they were literally rating me on, on how I was you know, how I was actually remembering stuff yeah. rather than like the ideas and the way that I, I would put things together. 100%. Um, which is just crazy. I, I mean, I have this really nice quote actually that I found. It was uh, learning differences, not learning difficulties. Mm. And like mm. one of the things we spoke about that you do here is it's like very much individual learning, isn't yeah. it? Like It's, it's got to be that way. And I think a big thing for us is saying, you know, school should be fun. School should be about you wanting to learn. School should be about kind of get and to sound not sound too cheesy but it's about quenching that thirst for knowledge because we all want to learn like naturally definitely but when you're sat in a room and you're just not engaged and you're just being taught something that's like off a off a syllabus off a school book off a textbook naturally you don't engage in the same way and a big part of that is learning how you learn like I know I learn by um, visual, everything's visual. Mm. So I've got a bit of like an, an eidetic memory. So I can see something and 100% I can then memorize that photo hands on. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's the way I learn. But, you know, that's something that I had to develop on my own. That's something that school didn't enable that. And I think the big difference here is we sort of say, right, okay, how do you learn? What's your way of picking, maintaining information or even going out and wanting to find new information? And let's work around you. Let's create that talent-tailored curriculum. That's a big thing here. And I think that's something that everybody should be doing naturally. Yeah, um, definitely. And I think we as people should be learning about how we learn. That, that self-development kind of stage is, is a big part, I think, going forward. Yeah, do you know, I mean, I've spoke about this with so many people, but mm. I actually believe that I started truly learning once I started my business. Mm. Because then you're faced with all these questions of, mm -hmm. oh, is that what I'm like as a person? And is that how I deal with that? You know, yeah. and, and is that how I approach a, a, you know, a problem to solve or whatever? And you start mm. learning new ways. So you actually do a majority of your learning continuing for the rest of your life, don't Definitely. you? But in your head, you think it's, it's just school. is Just school learn. time and then yeah. once you leave, that's it. And a big, you know, a big thing for me is like working out what your personality traits are and saying, mm. like, actually, am I someone who's more of an analytical person then perhaps I need to go and do X, Y, and Z, or, you know what I mean? I think that's something that needs to start at school time as well. Yeah. But actually breaking down an, an, an individual and saying, Where, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And saying, rather than saying, those are your weaknesses, we'll push you aside. It's like, how do we double down on your strengths? And that's something that I think schools can be a lot more flexible on. But naturally, with government pressures, they're not enabled to be able to do that. And that, that's a real kind of shame. But in independent schools, we have that freedom. Um, and that's perhaps that kind of unfair advantage, you know, but 
it's one of those things. Definitely. I mean, so we did an exercise review where I came in and interviewed all the kids of all different ages here. Mm. And there were some amazing kids that I met. And you know what? They really did change like my attitude towards private school mm. education because I'll be honest with you, um, like most people, you know, it's that kind of Hogwarts style thing. Me too. You know, yeah. lots of kids in suit jackets. Mm posh rich kids mm -hmm. you know never really had to do anything we'll, mm. we'll go on and be a politician or whatever yeah. but talking to the kids I'm like this guy wants to be a football player rugby player I think it was like archaeologist yeah. like want to be a DJ yeah like, other yeah, guy wanted cool. to be a DJ <laughs> and all of them were like yeah I'm going to do it yeah. and also the fact that they knew what they wanted to do and some of these kids were like 7-8 years old yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found absolutely insane well a lot of them have backup plans as well right, so okay. like, whenever you read things like my plan A if I don't get into a, a bit of a rugby club then I'll be a DJ as a backup I love that's the fact brilliant. that you, your parents pay all this money and then you want to come out as a DJ but that's mm. how it should be yeah of you course know, the, and why can't they be the best DJ exactly, in the world as well exactly. why does it have to be oh well you know you have to have, have like flunked school and done this and then you become a DJ then exactly like. and I think that is the kind of key change that's that big step change that I think needs to happen across the board mm. you know so do you feel like naturally it might happen anyway with millennials now having children and us knowing mm. that it's really about following your passion mm. not doing what your parents tell you to do 100% I think when, I can only talk about me I've got two little girls yeah of course I kind of push on them I, I don't push them in terms of like education I push on them the fact that you just go enjoy school try really hard because that's important and that's a, that's something that you're going to need all the time but actually I don't care about grades on a piece of paper because I've gone through school did amazing at GCSEs and A-levels got a first class uni degree and stuff but at the end of it I still came out with nine grand worth of debt yeah. you know and a whole that's, bunch of that's, that's not much now it's normally well, 40, yeah. 40, 50 grand worth of debt and that's it? the thing so, so you come out of all these nominal amounts of debt and no employability skills. Like, mm. I didn't have any people skills. I couldn't speak on the phone. I couldn't do anything. Yet, you know, yet by traditional standards, I was quote-unquote successful. Yeah. So for me, it's like saying to them, especially as a millennial parent, I love saying millennial, like, uh, <laughs> I like the fact that I still fit into that kind of bracket, but saying to them, like, don't worry about that stuff. Because mm. actually, half the stuff that's important now probably won't be in those years to come. Of course, You know, yeah. well, definitely won't be, you know. When I think about my parents having O-levels, that means nothing now. Yeah, you know what well, I mean? No one would care. Exactly. I, mean, I think my mum had, yeah, some, some O-levels, mm. some kind of NVQ or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, what, what were they used for? It's old money now. Yeah. So it's that Also, thing... everyone has a degree, don't they? Exactly. Like, so many people. Yeah. I meet so many people who have a degree mm. that, that struggle with emotional intelligence mm. as well. They, they've not put time into their personal development. Like you said, they, you know, people struggle to speak to people. Yeah. They, they even struggle uh, to solve problems mm. because they're so used to just this sort of rigid way of learning and they've come out of that yeah. believing I'm only good at one thing mm. and not willing to put themselves in situations. Mm. Like I'd say even... from, from 20 to I'm 32 now, yeah. and there have been so many uncomfortable situations where I'm like, can I do this? Yeah. Do I know how to do this? Am I qualified to do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. But have I gone and done it anyway? Yeah, because exactly. you learn, don't you? So. 100%. And I think that's another thing as well that Something I think we need to start putting in terms of young people and just the idea, not even in terms of where they end up going, but things that we should be instilling is that attitude towards risk and the idea of self-development and sort of, you know, that stretch, that stretch zone and putting yourself out there. I think kids should be doing that from as early as possible. And that can come down to, I read something the other day, just basic stuff around letting your kid fall over, letting your I, kids, I you know this. what I mean? Is it like 50 times if they fall over, yeah. the kid's not going to give up and give up on walking. Exactly. So why do adults, when something goes wrong, go, right, I give up, I'm out. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And I think that's something that we need to start instilling in young people for the long term. Definitely. Yeah.
Definitely, I really like that. Cool. Mm. So, what's what's the plans for you uh, for Queen, Queen Elizabeth Grammar School? I'll get it right. We'll call it Quags. It's, yeah, it's easier. What's what's the plan for Quags? How do you want to reshape the marketing here? What sort of things have you got in mind? Yeah, I think the big thing for me was when I came in, I just thought we just do things. We we're really modest, and I think we need to just break down that. You know, I'm used to I'm from social chain kind of times where we blow things up, and you know, mm. we're really kind of out there. And I'm from that school of thought. So coming in, I was like, listen understandably we're not going to start blowing up cars not and yet. doing live streams <laughs> yet yeah but we are going to look at things and sort of say right okay let's say what we're really good at you know let's start being more vocal about that let's start saying okay let's break down what our offering is and start saying yeah no we can do this and let's start saying actually yes we are selective but actually we are inclusive and we are accessible and breaking down those barriers and i think a big part working with you guys have been great because we've started to look at okay how do we change the key messaging? How are we even reaching people? We didn't even mm. have a paid social strategy before I came in. And that's not because I'm some genius. It's just because actually that's the way people search for schools of nowadays. Course, yeah. That's how people search for information. And when so, we looked at what people were actually searching for, exactly. and we drew that big diagram mm. out, like it wasn't what everyone thought it would be either, that's was the thing. it? It's like little pieces, little nuggets of information, and that actually helped us mm. with the creative. And I think that is really refreshing. And that's something that I'm really keen to kind of draw out going forward. So a big part of that is breaking down accessibility, is pulling out those little nuggets of information, tapping into what people are genuinely interested in. How can we add value? You know, not just saying, we want you to send your kid here. It's like, how can we actually add value to the decision making around where to send your kids to school, whether that's here or elsewhere? So I think that's really a big thing for us going forward, is establishing that. Um, and just being more proactive in how we go out and say how good we are, because we are good. Definitely. So as always, with any conversation me and you have, we've always gone off on a load of tangents yeah, yeah. here. But drilling back to the main, the main part that we're really trying to talk about today, so like creativity within schools and the government pushing down. Mm. How do you feel, obviously here, you guys have got this individual learning lockdown and you're really focusing on helping people grow that way. Mm. How do you think we can try and bring this back into, into normal schools? And, and what's, because the way I see it is, uh, look at artificial intelligence, right? Mm. Eventually, most jobs, most manual labor jobs, mm. they're going to be taken over by some form of a robot or technology, right? Yeah. So creativity is the one thing that we just, we can't replicate. I'm sure mm. they've tried, but this, it's, it's always gonna be what makes us human mm -hmm. and what makes us unique. Mm -hmm. So if we don't put our effort into this now, you know, it scares me for what's gonna happen. And, and if we lose the culture, if we lose art, mm. we lose music, we're going to get to a point where education is just going to become this thing where everyone's going to grow up going, well, why do I need to go to yeah. school at all? Yeah. Because everyone I know who's done something, mm -hmm. whether it be Banksy or, you know, a musician or whatever, they've gone through a, a completely, uh, well, dysfunctional route, haven't yeah, they? They yeah, haven't yeah. gone through the educational route, similar to myself, yeah. you know, they've dropped out or they've been expelled or, mm. so people are going to be starting looking at their new heroes, let's yeah. call them, the, you know, the new successful people that people are looking up to and saying, well, why do I even need to go to school in the first place? Mm. And, and I think this all comes down to if we squeeze the subjects that the kids are doing, then we squeeze their ability to think mm. and explore and try new things. And that's what creativity is to me, yeah. is the ability to explore and be fearless in what you're doing. 100%. So if we, if we squeeze that, what, you know, where are we going to be and, and how... How do you think we could approach that? Well, I think a big thing, again, it comes down to that thing of if, if state schools are under pressure from a point of view of trying to push math, English, science, what can you do from an enrichment standpoint? What can you do that is looking at that kind of wider basis? They have the ability to do that. I've been in schools where they do create 
um, a situation where there is that level of enrichment or whatever, but how can we make it not a bolt-on? How can we make it part of everyday learning? And I think mm. that's a big part of what they should be doing. Um, and that's the only way that realistically a school is going to get the best out of kids is saying, right, okay, yes, we've got this to stick to, but what's the right thing for these kids? And actually being a bit ballsy and saying, we're going to incorporate this because it's the right thing to do. Um, so I think that's really got to be the approach, but it takes you know quite a rebe quote unquote rebellious head or, or senior management team to kind of bring those changes in, into, uh, into force, into being. So a big thing for me is starting that way. I also think a big thing goes back to that idea of saying, you know, teaching kids from, from a self-development perspective, those are all things that any good teacher or any good mentor can kind of help young people um, mm. going forward is sort of saying, right, okay, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Let's double down on that. Let's really help you be the best version of you. Um, and I think that's where it really starts. Um, and those might sound a bit airy-fairy, but actually those are the things that set people apart. Because when you look at people like Richard Branson, who sh struggled with dyslexia, it's well, it's well documented. But him being the most amazing businessman that he is, isn't because he's amazing at finance and accounting or whatever else. It's actually, he's got a creative mindset that course, yeah. that's how he solves problems. Linked with emotional intelligence 100%. and problem solving is, and their, their uh, lack of fear. Mm. You know, you're never going to give up, was he? That was his main thing. Just, I think it was like 47 companies or something he had on company's exactly. house. Yeah. And I think that, that for me is getting kids used to failure, getting kids used to learning about how they learn, getting kids used to looking sort of within, mm. not to sound like a Buddhist, but literally looking within and sort of saying, right, okay, what am I good at? And it's okay to be good at these things. Definitely. You know what I mean? And I think that starts with school. Well, let's be realistic. This is what everybody, I would say, from the age of 20 to 40 is doing right, right now, now anyway. Exactly. I know for me, a massive thing is... You know, I remember thinking meditation was a load of crap, mm. all the other stuff, mm -hmm. mindfulness. And I'm sat there going, I need to put these things into my life. You know, it made a massive impact, like actually having a bit of time for myself mm. and taking time to do some breathing. And this, we're going off again, but um, I remember seeing something about kids not having detention mm. and they were having yoga classes instead or meditation classes. I and the results are apparently amazing. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they be? Take an angry kid out of the situation. Yeah. Let's look. He's not angry because he's trying to be disruptive. He's angry because there's obviously a problem and he's upset about something. Put him into a situation where he's controlling his anger and he's breathing yeah. and his own mindfulness, mm. you know, then the result is clearly going to be better than what <laughs> I feel like you probably had at school and I had at school. Most yeah. people I know is sitting in a classroom for lunchtime, yeah. right in lines. Right. Like that didn't help anything. No. Discipline, it didn't discipline me. Yeah. yeah. You found out like, your little shortcuts around lines as well. Yeah. But it goes back to There was to no copy thing. and paste though, was yeah, there? Yeah, there wasn't. No. So <laughs> different, different, uh, different kind of way of doing lines nowadays. But I think that it goes back, just to take your point there, it goes back to the idea of like, what are we kind of teaching our kids? And when I talk about my two girls, if I thought about the kind of parent that I was going to be, I definitely wouldn't have been one that was putting mindfulness. I didn't think mindfulness would be a Course, top of the agenda. Yeah. But at night time, the only way I can settle these girls down to realize that it's bedtime now is we do a little meditation. I'll pop it on YouTube and we sit there and we do that lights off and we do that. That's and that amazing. sounds really kind of airy-fairy, especially where I'm, where I'm from as well. Probably can't that ruin my street cred uh, a whole lot. But, <laughs> Telling everyone. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> no, um, I think that's amazing. I think yeah, it's amazing. What, and the results have been great then. 100%, because they're just relaxed and they, they get themselves, and it's just focusing their breathing, focusing their thinking, so that they realize that actually it's a different part of the day now. Um, and I think mindfulness is a massive part that can contribute towards kids becoming the best versions of themselves. Definitely. Well, look, we'll wrap this up now, but it's been amazing. Really, really great to catch up with you. I'd love to have you on again at some point. 
Um, we're going to go and take a wonder around the school now. And you can, we've seen some of the places. I think it's from the 1600s, some of the photos here. So we're going to yeah. go through and have a look at them. But yeah, great to see you. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Brilliant. Thanks Cheers, for having me.